0: You are listening to The Fly, the W670 podcast. I am Dustin Rhodes, executive producer of The Mullion Haw Show. The guys are live from 5.30 until 10 on your radio home for the Chicago Cubs. Of course, that is 6.70, the score. This is season one. It is episode 35. We are calling this the Miami Miracle. And as always, I'm joined by my buddy Crowley. Crowley, how are you on this
2: Thursday afternoon? I got to be doing better than the Marlins bullpen, that's for sure. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well let's get right into it Crowley let's get into our recap our news our scores and a little bit more game one back on uh, Monday night had Wade Miley throwing for our North Siders. that was the one
2: game I was confident in let me tell you game one Wade Miley versus Edward Cabrera looks good from the start Chris Murrell with the solo home run in the top of the third to give the Cubs a one-nothing lead Zach McKinstry hit by pitch Ian have doubles two nothing looks pretty good right bottom of the third with one out john birdie who man he is just really he looks really good as a player but he answers with a solo home run marlin's trail two to one this is where things kind of go crazy charles leblanc reaches on an error by chris morrell so that's e5 right and then brian anderson's hit by a pitch garrett cooper lines out to mckinstry with two outs Nick Fortes hits a ball. The bat shatters and like goes right to uh, David Bode. Looks like I was hoping it wouldn't impale him. And then, uh, and then the ball literally hits off the base. So it will looked like an easy inning-ending play is now everybody's safe. You got the bases loaded. The next batter, Brian De La Cruz, hits a grand slam, and the Cubs are down five to two. Just an unfortunate series of events.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of those unfortunate series of events in this series, Carly. You could uh, cue up that Bad News Bears music at any point.
2: Yeah, bottom of the fourth, Josh Groschen walks. Uh, Gerard Encarnacion singles, John Birdie singles. Groschen scores Encarnacion to third. Cubs are down 6-2. Wild Pitch allows Encarnacion to score. Birdie goes to second. The Cubs trail 7-2. Charles LeBlanc walks. The night's over for Wade Miley. Just a shocking uh, outing for Wade Miley. Jeremiah Estrada comes into the game. He walks the first batter, Brian Anderson, to load the bases, but then strikes out the next three batters swinging to end the inning, which looked good, but then he got sent down to the minors afterwards. So congratulations, <laughs> kid. Uh, here's your bus ticket to Iowa. Top of the fifth, Hermosillo walks. Morrell flies out. McKinstry doubles. Florida has a 7-3 to three lead. The Cubs would not score anymore. Rucker would give up a run in the seventh. Rowan Wicks always counted on to be giving up a couple runs in the eighth uh, final Marlins 10 Cubs three.
0: Yeah, not, uh, not the greatest of starts. And uh, I thought, Oh, here we go. I thought the kind of the Cubs that lineup that they put out there didn't do a whole heck of a lot for me. And I thought maybe they were uh, tucking their tail between their legs and uh, looking forward to trying to get back home with a stop in Pittsburgh in between. Well, Miley was the shock there. He just didn't have it all game. I mean, I know it was
2: some bad luck in between there, but he just just wasn't hitting his spots. Three innings pitched, seven hits, seven runs. Only three of them were earned because of the error on Morrell. Two walks and two Ks. The offense had three runs on six hits, eight left on base, one for eight with runners in scoring position. McKinstry was two for four. For the Marlins, Cabrera, five innings pitched, three runs, three hits, three walks, four Ks. Their offense had 10 runs on 14 hits, 8 left on base, 5-for-16 with runners in scoring position, Birdie 3-for-5 with two RBIs, LeBlanc 2-for-4, De La Cruz 2-for-5 with the Grand Salami, and Rojas 3-for-4.
0: Yeah, so not exactly the way we wanted to start, but the good thing is, and what's nice about baseball, Crowley, is that they sing the national anthem every day, so the Cubs had a chance to get a win in game two and that Adrian Sampson on the hill going against uh, Pablo Lopez who uh, likes to throw a lot of strikes and likes to strike a lot of people out. Adrian Sampson who we
2: shall now refer on this podcast to as the giant slayer. Pablo <laughs> Lopez no problem. Jacob deGrom easy peasy. Corbin Burns bring it. Adrian Sampson not rattled. Bottom of the second, J.J. Bladay walks. De La Cruz singles. Jacob Stalin grounds into a double play. Jordan Groschen singles, and the Cubs trail one to nothing. And that's how it's going for a long while. Okay, Adrian Sampson gives up one run, but in the top of the seventh, David Bodie with a monster home run. The game is tied at one. Top of the eighth, Michael Aramosio hit by a pitch. My God, Don Mattingly had to have been beside. How do you hit Michael Hermosillo, who's batting like 0.075. McKinstry with a bunt. Everybody's safe. And then Esteban Quinoz, who has, was five years in the minor league, seven years in the Mexican league, making his debut. He gets a bunt. Everybody's safe. Base is loaded. David Bodie with the sack fly. Cubs are up 2-1. to one. And Rivas strikes out. Two, uh, Bodie, sack fly, Cubs are up 2-1. And Happ and Rivas strike out to end the threat. Okay, So you think about that inning right there, hit by pit, hit by pitch, two bunts, a sack fly. I mean, like it's it's it's, it's you gotta be wondering what's going on. And that's the final. It comes to Marlin's one. Samson, old reliable. Six innings pitched, eight hits, one run, one walk, three ks. Alzeli. We talked about this before. I wasn't thrilled with him getting the multiple innings um, the first time out. But now second time out, he, he able to go a couple innings, get two Ks, and Brandon Hughes with the save. The offense, two meager runs on six hits, six left on base. One for six with runners in scoring position. Uh, Kairos was two for three. Higgins two for four. Bodie had both RBIs in the games. Uh, for the Marlins, Lopez went 6.2 innings pitch. He gave up five hits, one run, and six Ks. Uh, the offense, one run on nine hits. Well, six left on base, one for eight with runners in scoring position. LeBlanc two for four, Groschens two for
0: three. Yep, and I thought of you, Crowley, when uh, when that happened with the uh, with the bullpen and Alzolay. After we had just talked about it in the last podcast, so it was good to see that they did that again, and this time it worked out. Also, we had talked about Lopez's strikeout numbers. Did you, did you ever did you look before the game have a, have a guess of what his over under strikeouts were? I'm going to guess 12, <laughs> six and a half. Six and a half. Six mm-hmm. and a half, And he just missed it. Just, ah. he had a bunch of Cubs in, in two strike counts, you know, and then a little, uh, little chopper, a little pop up in the first two innings. He went one, two, three, one, two, three, didn't strike anybody out. So it was really, uh, it was really crazy how good those guys out in the desert are to put that total at six and a half. And he lands on six. Unbelievable.
2: Unbelievable, but that's why I'm not a betting man, Dustin.
0: Yeah, well, we moved to game number three, and we had a little adjustment in the uh, pitching situation as uh, Drew Smiley needed a little extra time. So Marcus Strowman stepped up and uh, took the ball in game number three last night.
2: Stroh Show versus Jesus Lusardo. Uh, again, another pitcher's duel. None of these lineups all that impressive. Bottom of the fifth, yeah. Brian De La Cruz hits a ground rule double. Nick Fortes homers. The Cubs are down 2 nothing. Two batters later, Luen Diaz also homers, so the Cubs trail 3 nothing. Really, the only hiccup in Stroman's day was that fifth inning, but you give up two bombs, that's not great. Top of the seventh, Patrick Wisdom. Hasn't been the same with that hurt finger. It really has been affecting him. But good to see him hit a home run. Marlins lead 3-1. And now we get into this wacky top of the eighth. McKinstry and Morrell draw back-to-back walks. How you can walk both of those guys. Like I said, Don Mattingly had been banging his head in the dugout. Esteban Kairos for the second night in a row with another bunt. A throwing error by pitch and, by relief pitcher Stephen Oakert. McKinstry scores. Morrell to third. Kairos to second. The Cubs trail 3-2. Bodie reaches on a fielder's choice. morell scores. Kairos goes to third. The game is tied at three. Hap with a sack fly. Kairos scores. They take a 4 3 lead. They score two runs without a hit.
0: Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. I was following along online, watching that game. I had it on the radio, was doing some other things, and I just could not believe what was going on. I had that game tucked away and packed away and thought the Cubs were going to lose that one for sure. And that's why
2: Miami is where they are. You know, they, they, they have a worse record than the Cubs. And, and obviously this is showing you exactly why,
0: Yes.
2: Um, you know, Stroman went six innings, pitched five hits, three runs, one walk, seven K's. But if you think about it, three of those five hits, he gave up were in the fifth inning, including two home runs. So, you know, again, I don't know what happens sometimes, but he kind of has these little blips and, you know. Uh, Keegan Thompson comes in and he goes three innings pitch, one hit, zero runs, one walk, six Ks. This is a preview of what you're going to see a lot of next year. This is what I'm telling you. You're going to see two pitchers, three tops for most of the Cubs next year. This is Stroman and then Thompson. You're going, see, you're going to see a lot of this stuff happening.
0: It's very interesting, Crowley. I wanted to, something I wanted to ask you about, and you've already told me how you feel about that. That that's how you see things going. But in that case, with with a Keegan Thompson coming in in that setup, does that mean is he available like twice a week? You think in that setup, or is he only available every fifth day?
2: No, no, no. I think he's going to be available a couple times a week.
0: Okay, very and interesting. Very have, interesting.
2: If you have two guys like that, and you can guarantee the entire bullpen doesn't work you know, two days a week. And like, let's say you take somebody by like, okay, we we talked a little bit about the pitching before where we talked about, you got Hendricks, you got Stroman and Justin Steele, three, Justin, our uh, Drew Smiley and the Cubs have a deal, but they both have to agree to a mutual option. And you would hope that they would add one more pitcher who that is. We don't know. But then if that's the case, you have a lot of these young guys, like Samson, the giant killer and Keegan Thompson, and maybe Javier Assad that could potentially go two to three innings And if you, if you just have two of those guys that can work out like that, you have two days where you're essentially probably not going to need to use the bullpen that much. That's going to give those guys plenty of rest and make them all better.
0: Yeah, very interesting. Definitely something to uh, think about, to consider, and uh, to uh, ponder for sure. So some of the roster moves we just talked about. So Keegan Thompson was reinstated. Uh, Estrada, you made the little joke about the bus ticket. That would have been a hell of a bus ride for Miami, too. So hopefully he did not have to take a bus to uh, get back to uh, AAA. How about the minor <laughs> leagues, Crowley? I thought of you last night as well. The minor the minor leaguers doing some, uh, doing some winning and uh, – Our favorites down in uh, South Bend, they're the champs.
2: Yeah, well, you know, we have two playoff series. Again, Myrtle Beach was eliminated, which, you know, bummer on that one. The Tennessee Smokies right now are playing one of my favorite minor league teams, the Rocket City Trash Pandas. I mean, if that's not a classic uh, uh, minor Minor league league name.
0: (laughs) I don't know what is. And where exactly, Crowley, is Rocket City? Rocket is that Houston? I mean, I would guess Houston, but I'm, I'm guessing I'm wrong just because of NASA and whatnot. But the Rocket City, I want to say, is in Alabama. Okay, I put you on the spot a little bit there. Sorry. Yeah, so, there is some kind of there is some kind of like aviation thing in Alabama.
2: Yeah, they're in Alabama, so you know they're playing a best of three series. Unfortunately, uh, so this is for the Southern League's Northern Divisional playoffs. So there's the Northern and the Southern divisions. Uh, in the Southern League, and the Smokies are in the first postseason for the first time since 2013. So they lost the opener 9-5 to to the Rocket City Trash Pandas, which was frustrating. Um, Pandas got a 1-0 lead in the series, so uh, they jumped out early against the uh, Smoky starter Riley Thompson, you know, right two pitches into the game. Preston Palmero had a two-run blast to give the uh, Trash Pandas the lead, and they're never going to relinquish it. Uh, Thompson surrendered seven runs, including a pair of homers in 4.1 innings. Tennessee's going to try to make a run. Uh, they cut the deficit down with a three-run, six-inning. Cole Roeder, who's been hitting a lot of home runs lately, hits his six home run in ten games to make it a game. Uh, Jonathan Peralta went deep in the ninth to pull the Smokies within four runs, but that was it. Game two tonight at 6.35 Central Time in Madison, Alabama.
0: Madison, Alabama. There we go. Madison, Alabama. And, you're listening. Uh, ahead, you know, Crowley. Like,
2: yeah. And, and so this is a best of three. So tonight you want to watch Tennessee. We had, um, Mick Gillespie on the show, great friend of the show, and he is going to be somebody that, um, uh, he's going to be calling the game. And so it, it, hopefully they end up, they have to win tonight or it's go home.
0: Win or go home. Do or die for our people down in, uh, the, Rocket city pandas and the <laughs> oh boy that, I mean, I, I, I now want to like, look up, look that up, throw that in the Google machine in the, uh, in the Tennessee Smokies So we're, uh, we're pulling for the smokies tonight. We do have something exciting and that is that our
2: South bend Cubs are the Midwest league champions. Okay. They won it in 2019. There was no minor league season in 2020. They didn't win it in 2021, but in 2022, so in the last three seasons, they've been the champion twice and again our friends over at South Bend um, I was at the game Sunday night game one the one they lost and uh, they put up a sign for fly the W Uh, they welcomed us at four win fields and just absolutely um, it was so exciting the game was just great Porter Hodge who we had on the show was the starter he had a great start uh, 55 strikes he threw he was just absolutely phenomenal Luis Verdugo with a home run Owen Cassie with a home run Pablo Aliendo with a home run. And so it was exciting. You know, the Cubs, in, in it, they, they scored five right away in the third. And if you remember that game I went to on Sunday, they scored five early and took an early lead. Lake County, it was really weird because the Cubs were using a lot of power, a lot of home runs, whereas like with Lake County, it was death by a 1,000 cuts. It seemed like every ball they hit just went off the fielder's glove, just missed it, little chopper, something goofy. They scored three to come back. And then South Bend scores two in the fifth. And so they're up seven, nothing Lake County scores one more in the eighth, but that's not enough as South Bend wins seven to four. And I mean, the Cubs in general, they have really done just such a job with the minor leagues. Andrew Berlin is the owner of the South Bend Cubs. He's a great guy. The facilities, the field is beautiful. The, the entertainment value is phenomenal. Um, we've had Max and BK, both of those guys on the show. The, the, it, it's just fun, man, and, and and I'm just so proud of those guys, especially you know, we've had so many of them on the show, whether they were with Myrtle Beach or whether they were with South Bend. But Porter Hodge, I mentioned, Cole Franklin, um, all of these guys that are uh, – Tyler Schlafer, they're just phenomenal. They've been on the show. They've been so supportive of us. I could not truly be happier for this organization. And, again, Cub fans, I keep telling you the future looks bright. You have three of your four minor league teams in the postseason, one that won a championship. I mean, this is exciting stuff.
0: Yeah, you gotta be excited. You gotta get on board, and it's always nice to see good things happening to good people, Crowley. So that's uh, good for the uh, good for the Cubs South Bend team in that one. This is season one, it is episode 35, this is the Fly the W 670 podcast, and now we are going to move into an interview with Tony Andraki from Marquee Sports Network. Joining me now on the Fly the W
2: podcast, I have Tony Andraki from the Marquee Sports Network. Tony, how you doing?
1: Doing great, how are you?
2: Oh man, I'm doing great, you know, excited about everything that happened with the South Bend Cubs last night, you know, a little bit more exciting than kind of what we've been seeing with the big league team with the Marlins kind of a interesting series, but uh, you know, two teams that really aren't going very far.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, the fact that the Cubs have had a lot of winning in their minor league system this year, and it's something they've pointed to a lot. And I think it's, you know, I, I don't know how to really gauge the intangible facet of like winning as a minor leaguer and translating that to the big leagues, but you'd definitely rather see your, your minor league teams winning than not winning. I think that's for sure
2: not only that they're winning with young players, you know, some organizations they have kind of some older guys, like, you know what I mean? Like when you have a bunch of college guys in low A, you know what I mean? They're going to be more dominant. Um, but the Cubs have such young teams in the minors and they're learning to win. It reminds me a lot of, again, that those teams in 2013 and 14 in the minors before they started kind of coming up the end of 2014. So like you said, exciting, exciting to see things winning. And I'm love the fact that marquee sports network has been showing games and, and, then the, um, the road to Wrigley program and all that stuff. It's been phenomenal.
1: Yeah, no, it's been awesome. Lance Brostowski done just such a great job of all the several road to Wrigley's the the live wraparound show. And then uh, the other shows that we've aired on like Sunday evenings as well. They're just kind of half hour interview with Matt Mervis Um, that aired again last night after the Cubs Marlins game, stuff like that. So yeah, there's been a lot of like really cool content down on the farm type stuff.
2: Yeah, now, as far as the future is concerned for the Cubs, you had an interesting piece that you put the other day on the Marquee Marquee Sports website um, about the new rules and how the Cubs, because they're not doing really well, it gives them an opportunity to kind of start prepping for some of the new rules. Um, One of the new rules, obviously, is going to be the banning of the shift. You're going to have to have both feet on the infield dirt and two infielders on each side of the second base bag. Um, but what impact do you see that having on say it's hard, like I said, because now you have injuries to, uh, both Nico and magical, but you do get to see, um, how this may affect players in the future and what, how the Cubs evaluate those infielders that they do have.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, when you figure guys like Zach McKinstry and Christopher Morrell, like their place with the Cubs is not set in stone. It's uh, pretty likely, I'd say, you know, their versatility, the fact that McKinstry's a left-handed bat and the Cubs don't have a lot of those, obviously, right now on their roster. Um, but yeah, I mean, to see if with the new shift rule is like if McKinstry can handle second base or if they like him as a third base outfielder only. And then honestly, same thing with Christopher Morrell. You know, he made his um his career coming up through the minor leagues mostly playing in the middle of the field. you know, a lot of natural shortstop and then second base and the Cubs do like him a lot there. They like his arm too, you know, and obviously that's not always utilized at second base, but yeah, just seeing what these guys can do, the jumps, they can get on the ball, you know, staying on their side of the bag, so to speak. And like you mentioned too, the fact that Nico is out, I think is, is helping to allow, it, it gives them more freedom to do this because you don't have that like chess piece. Like we've seen in the past with Javi Baez or this year with Nico, where you can just move him around wherever. And you know, when you don't have a guy like that anyways, you might as well get a head start on next year and see what, what your roster, your current roster, can do under the new rules.
2: And so that, that's a big question, Nico. You know, he's had a very good defensive year if you look at his defensive run saved and everything. But, the, but you know, the question is whether or not he, how much he will be impacted by these new rules. Do you feel that Nico might be somebody that could be harmed by the new rules coming into effect? Um.
1: In some ways yes just because he's like dynamic at making those plays in shallow right field we, we've seen him I think he rakes towards the top of the league and you know outs made in like right field or the outfield grass right there um, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me but you know he's always been really good at that he's made some just simply like incredible plays doing that so that that's one way that obviously that is no longer going to be an option for the Cubs so it will impact him and His defense overall. That being said, he's made some incredible plays just staying on the shortstop side of the bag as well. Um, So, and we've seen him at second base, you know, last year, especially when he was healthy and earlier in the season and Javi Baez was there. I remember there was a couple games in a row where Andrew Chafin was pitching and Nico just showed off incredible range, you know, going into the outfield grass just playing second base. So, I don't think, I think he's one of the guys that will still be a very, very good defender, even with the shift rules in place Uh, and that's really wherever he plays, whether it's at shortstop, second base, third center, like wherever. I think he's just a gold glove, gold glove caliber defender.
2: Yeah. And he said all the right things about just wanting to play for a winner more than carrying exactly his spot on the infield. But you know, you look and there's no doubt the Cubs have talked about spending money this off season and you got a class of Trey Turner's going to be a free agent, Dansby Swanson, and then Correa and Bogart's both got the opt-outs So, I mean, there's four potential amazing shortstops that would be available. You would have to think that the Cubs would be looking that direction to try to improve the team.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think, really, the Cubs just need more good players and impact players. So, when the fact that probably the four top free agents, and then five if you include Aaron Judge, um, that everybody expects from an offensive standpoint, like four of them play shortstop, well, yeah. I mean, the fact that Nico is already a gold glove uh, finalist at second base, then you could move him over there or you could have him play third. I think going into this year, the plan the Cubs had initially, if everybody stayed healthy, if things had worked out with Anderton Simmons, was that Nico may move around a little bit more. They, there was not necessarily this this plan set in stone that he was going to play shortstop every day. Uh, so, yeah, by signing one of those guys, I, I think, you know, especially, you know, Trey Turner, Xander Bogarts, like those are two guys. Turner's going to be 30-31 next year. Um, So maybe he plays shortstop for a couple years if it's that route. And then Nico goes there. There's a lot of different options. I think the Cubs just like the versatility they have with Nico and understand that they need more impact players and really more specifically impact bats.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, another rule that's going to be coming in, which I love, is the pitch clock. Um, So the pitch clock, 15 seconds to throw a pitch with the bases empty, 20 with runners on. And, uh, you know, we were talking a little bit. I was at the uh, South Bend game on Sunday, the championship game one. And the pitch clock's right there. Like the pitcher can see it right there. And it, it just moves the game along. I, you know, I've been looking at this. And, and, and in your article, you wrote about how David Ross, where they were kind of timing certain people. Yep. To me, and, and tell me what you think. I don't know if it's going to really affect the Cubs big picture because, I'm looking at the starters, right? You got Hendricks, Strowman, Drew Smiley, Wade Miley. We don't know if Smiley will be back or Wade Miley. Hopefully they work some out with Smiley. But when you talk about Hendricks and Strowman and Miley, I don't see those guys as being, obviously not Hendricks, uh, guys that hold the ball that long. You know what I mean?
1: For sure. I mean, Miley's arguably the quickest worker in the league. So David Ross was joking, you know, in his interview with Taylor McGregor, just about how the Cubs are going to have a whole bunch of Wade Miley's out there. And he's like the one guy that this won't affect. Um, I think it might, affect guys you know the the rule of not throwing over to first base may affect guys a little bit more particularly on the cubs pitching staff but yeah for the pitch clock i don't think it's really going to be that big of an impact and and i think we're going to see the product on the field maybe even a better defensive product too because Guys talk about it all the time when you have a quick worker like Wade Miley or Stroman who works pretty quick as well or Hendricks and the, the defenders know the ball is getting put in play like they're alert. They're making good plays behind him. And, and guys always talk about loving playing behind those kind of those kind of quick workers and um, and guys who put the ball in play. So I think maybe we'll see a better defensive product overall around the league. But I'm with you. I don't think the Cubs have a bunch of slow workers, you know, and obviously it's something they can work out right now. Keegan Thompson came back and when he's in a groove, he obviously is working quick. And Justin Steele, I think, has the ability to work quick too. Like sometimes I feel like maybe his starts get a little slower, um, but that's also a young pitcher trying to find his way. So uh, I think it's something that everybody will have to figure out, but it'll probably impact those relievers that throw like 100 miles an hour more often because they need – more time to recuperate between pitches. And obviously the Cubs don't have anybody like that right now. So I, I do think their pitching staff is well-suited for this.
2: And not only that, I mean, like what you're talking about is obviously like, you know, a, a guy like a this Chapman, who's been in the league. God, I can't even, What he's, you know, since at least 2010, right? I mean, I'm trying to think how far back he goes, but a lot of the Cubs young pitchers, including some of the guys that they have that can throw some heat, um, you know, you got Manrod in there and, and others. But, like, they've kind of been more accustomed to the pace yep. of the game because they're all, you know, Justin, Keegan, you mentioned, but Adrian and Hayden Wisniewski and Javier Assad and Manny Rodriguez. I mean, all those guys are, are used to it because right now it, it's ha- it happens in the minors. They're they're more used to it. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, no, that's a great point. And, and honestly, a lot of these hitters coming up, too, in the Cubs system will be used to it as well. They'll be used to, like, getting ready and not taking time out of the box um, as well. So, yeah, I, I think that's a really good point that – the fact that they've done it before in a game-like setting, especially as they're trying to get to the big leagues, I don't think it'll affect them that much. And from everybody I've heard, you know, we talked to Alex Cohen on Cubs Weekly Podcast a couple of weeks ago, that Cubs AAA broadcaster. He was like, honestly, like the pitch clock guys are just like, yeah, it, it is what it is. Like by like the end of April, like people were just not talking about it anymore. It's just a way of life and everybody got used to it pretty quickly. So I think that's what's going to happen in the big leagues too.
2: Yeah, I mean, like I can see guys – like I said, older guys like Chapman or Justin Verlander, guys, you know, just guys that have been in the league that aren't used to it, but like with the Cubs, you're looking at a team that's going to be getting – you know, it's going to be a pretty young team I'm anticipating pretty soon, you know?
1: Yeah, for sure. And like you said, a lot of these guys that are already up and other guys that may be on the way, you know, Ben Leap or Caleb Killian we saw for a bit or some of these other guys, like, yeah, they they will already have been pitching with the pitch clock for the entire, an entire season or maybe more by the time they're up in the big leagues.
2: Absolutely. Now, there was an interesting graphic that Marquis had up, and you retweeted it the other day, about Patrick Wisdom. And he has the fewest at-bats per home run, the only guys in front of him. Number one, classic from the 70s, the proud of my Mount Prospect, uh, Dave Kingman. You had Sammy Sosa, you know, the, the franchise home run leader, uh, yeah. Kyle Schwarber, and old H-Rod, for those of you who remember in the 90s, Henry, O. Oh, Henry Rodriguez. So, you know, Wisdom, obviously, when he makes contact, that ball's going out. What role do you see for Patrick Wisdom in the future with this team?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. And I don't know for sure, um, but I think he's another guy that um, is just a good athlete and good defender on the field. And, And we saw more of that, I think, last year than this year. But this year was also really interesting in the sense that this was the first time that he was playing like every single day. For an extended period of time and throughout the course of a long season, before this finger injury here. And that's new for him. That's new for him in the big leagues. So, uh, even though he's 30, 31, like that's it was a different experience for him and learning how to make sure his body was right each day um, and and mentally just be in every game. So, I think he'll learn from that and take that moving forward. And I do think he is a, a really strong defender who can play third or first, or, you know, we saw him. Uh, was it Wednesday night in Miami make a couple of nice plays in right field as well. And and then he's gone out there in center. So the finger is bothering him right now. It's been going on for about a month, but when he's back and healthy, um, I, I think he's really right now, he's probably their best power bat in the lineup. Maybe that changes with off season moves, but he's a guy that maybe slots in that six hole in the order and, and can come up and, and really strike fear into in the opposing team and, and can go, you know, hit 25, 30 homers in a season and also played, play good all over the field, uh, play a m- bunch of different positions, and he's a solid base runner too. So I think there's a lot to like there. I don't know specifically what role he'll play, but I think he'll, he'll play a pretty big role.
2: Yeah, you know, and that you know, as Cub fans, we sit there and we start kind of picturing, okay, let's get one of those awesome short stops, you know, whether, you know, whoever, whether it's Correa or, or Dansby Swanson or whoever, and then you put Wisdom at third and then Nico at second. But, you know, one of the questions that's going to come up is first base. And obviously, uh, just a lot of the stories lately has been Matt Mervis and that home run power. Do you see someone like Matt Mervis starting the year at first base or maybe in a platoon type situation? I mean, this guy, all he's done is hit at every level they've put him at.
1: Yeah. I, you know what? I would not rule it out right now. Obviously we're not going to see him this year. You know, a lot of that is that 40 man crunch uh, that the Cubs have. And a lot of guys that are up for the rule five draft this year, they need to protect. But yeah, I I think it'll be really, really interesting because uh, if he comes out in spring training next year and mashes the way that he has been all this year, how do the Cubs leave him off the roster, especially when they need left-handed left-handed power, but just left-handed bats in general and. As of right now, it doesn't seem like they have the first base position solidified. You know, Frank Schwindel is gone. Alfonso Rivas, Jared Young are some of the other options, along with Higgins, PJ Higgins. And then we talked about uh, Patrick Wisdom, too. So, you know, they have a few internal options, but a guy like Mervis really could separate himself. And if he hits well in spring training, if, you know, he goes to the Arizona Fall League and continues to thrive on all the all the things that Cubs have thrown against him next or this year so far. I don't see why next year he couldn't start in the big leagues opening day maybe a little bit of a long shot. They probably want more. They want to see him maybe do it again at AAA, but also just a little bit more of a um, a track record at AAA. But, I, yeah, I definitely wouldn't rule it out. And, honestly, he's the guy that next year I see at Wrigley Field at some point. I don't know when. Maybe it's as soon as April. Um, but he, he could be making an impact at Wrigley pretty soon.
2: Well, obvious shirts just dropped the Mash Mervis uh, collection again, so I might have to go grab me one of those next homestand. Um, another question that you guys asked on Marquee was what makes you more excited? Alzalai in the pen or Adrian Sampson in the rotation? Um, I gotta tell you, man, Adrian Sampson, like when you look at the game logs, right? He has, you know, you're you're thinking like just in general, Adrian Sampson, uh, you know, kind of profiles as a fifth starter, you know, and all you ask for a fifth starter is to keep you in the game, right? Give your team a chance to win the guy's been doing that every single time out. I mean, he's beaten Burns, DeGrom, Pablo Lopez the other night. I mean, this is, I mean, I'm trying to figure out if this guy's for real or what's going on or how all of a sudden is it, you know, is it just having the opportunity to show what he has?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people are right there <laughs> with you just trying to figure it out. He's been silencing critics since he got here, since we heard of him, you know, towards the, the middle, the later end of last year. And, he pitched really well for the team last year in a couple different roles, you know, long relief in, in the rotation. Uh, he dropped that, like, kind of epic Game of Thrones quote, like, we're all trying to vie for a spot out there, which we all loved as writers and in the media. And then, yeah, this year, you know, he wasn't a part of the big league team. Like, he was a free agent uh, in the offseason, came back on a minor league deal, comes up in May, you know, pitches once briefly, gets DFA, goes to Seattle, comes, or, you know, is uh sent down from there, uh, Alex minor league free agency, comes back to the Cubs because he loved everything about this organization. He really wanted to sign back here. And he's given the organization a lot of credit, like up and down from guys like Craig Bresla, who heads up the pitching infrastructure, to even just, you know, Tommy Hatterby and and the, the pitching infrastructure at the big league level specifically for getting the most out of him, understanding what his stuff does uh and and how he can get the most out of that and then what he does well and pitching to that also so his stuff is ticked up a bit I mean we see some 94s and 95s out there when he's on the mound and last year I think he was sitting like 92 only so his stuff is ticked up a bit you know it, it looks for real but really I think it's the mindset thing with him like he just has this mindset that like he knows he's 30 like he knows his career is on the line here and he goes out and shoves just about every time out and like you said he's beat some really good pitchers he's he keeps kind of defying odds not necessarily the logic like it, you watch it and you're like oh obviously like this guy can get guys out but like yeah I think so many people are waiting for this other shoe to drop and it just hasn't happened so he's kind of the perfect depth guy that I don't know that he cracks the rotation next year but maybe he's stashed at triple a and comes up if somebody's hurt or maybe he's a multi-ending relief weapon like I don't know but it sure seems like Adrian Sampson needs to be a part of the 2023 Cubs.
2: Absolutely. And when we talk about Olsla, he was he was out all season, you know, with injury, but they had him throwing a couple innings a few times already, and he's looked for the most part pretty good. Um, you know, and, and so I've heard David Ross talk about this idea of of this piggybacking of having these relievers that are going to go 3 maybe 4 innings. Uh, do you see Edbert more in and Keegan Thompson actually for that matter of fact, you know, more in that kind of role. I mean, I worry about Adbert's injury history as far as being a starter, but you know, it, it, does that look like the direction the Cubs are going is using a couple of these guys to be piggybacks for like, you know, three, maybe four innings.
1: Yeah. It looks like that's probably an option. Yeah. Um, maybe the most likely option right now, cause you figure Hendricks comes back healthy. You have Strowman and steel in the rotation next year. And Who knows? Maybe it's Wesneski. Maybe it's Keegan Thompson. Maybe Smiley comes back, like you mentioned, uh, or Miley, or, you know, they add guys like Carlos Rodon opts out or Jacob deGrom, or, you know, those are the top of the market in terms of free agent starters, but I'm sure the Cubs are going to be shopping in the free agent starter market because they need more guys. They know, they know how, how well, um, the starting staff can help this team. And the season this year kind of fell apart when all those guys got hurt. So yeah, I think they're going to have guys like Alzalai or Keegan Thompson or maybe even Wesneski. If they don't crack the opening day ro- rotation, they're probably going to be these multi inning weapons out of the bullpen. Maybe Samson as well, like we talked about. Ultimately, I think that might be a better spot for Alzalai just because he's had issues with lefties and maybe he gets over that. Um, he obviously had some very good starts last year, but you know he's a guy who had over five ERA as a starter last year and then went in the bullpen and was dominant and. If, he, if they can find the right pockets for him and he can come in as, as a one-inning guy if there's a team with a lot of lefties or a two- or three-inning guy, I, I do think that he can be more of a weapon for this team. And then we've already seen what Keegan Thompson can do in the bullpen, and he did it again Wednesday night in Miami. So I think those are two guys that right now maybe you pencil in vying for that fifth starter spot for next year. And if the Cubs sign somebody or bring back a guy like Drew Smiley, then, yeah, I think they're in the bullpen and they're, they can be like serious weapons. Like, Because really, that's the other thing, too. When Keegan Thompson was doing this earlier in the year and he was doing it every time out of the bullpen, that gave the rest of the bullpen this reset every day where David Ross knew, hey, three or four innings was covered by Keegan Thompson every other pitcher didn't even have to pick up a ball and they were more fresh for the next day. So I think there's a lot of value in that. And the Cubs like that, I think David Ross in particular likes that. And we'll probably see some of that uh, next year from a couple of these guys.
2: Well, Tony, you know, I really loved everything that's been going on with marquee. I feel like the, the network keeps improving all the time. Do you guys have anything up, uh, you know, planned for the off season, any kind of shows, anything Cubs related?
1: Yeah, we'll still uh, continue to be doing Cubs content. Definitely looking forward to the uh, non-lockout, more regular offseason, you know, no pandemic. Uh, so GM meetings, winter meetings, it should be a regular off offseason. Uh, so we're definitely looking forward to that. And, um, you know, we also have Bear Essentials, uh, the Chicago Bears show going on. So that's every Wednesday. Those are a couple of things we got going on. But yeah, Cubs content all winter long. And it should be a really fascinating winter for Jed's front office.
2: Absolutely. Well, Tony, I appreciate you hopping on. Where can the listeners find your stuff? Uh, Give a Twitter handle, any kind of uh, any other plugs where we could find your stuff at?
1: Yeah. So everything's at marqueesportsnetwork.com. And then uh, Twitter handle is at TonyAndraki23.
2: Tony, I appreciate talking baseball with you and we'd love to have you back on again soon.
1: Sounds good. Thanks. Appreciate it, man.
0: You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is season one. It is episode 35. We're calling this one the Miami Miracle as the Cubs took two out of three in Miami. They have now gone north and they have entered Pittsburgh. They're taking on the Pirates and game one is Thursday night and Hayden Wesnitski is making his second big league uh, starting spot. And before we get into that Crowley, have you ever been to PNC Park in Pittsburgh?
2: No, I have not, and it's absolutely on my bucket list to kind of cross absolutely, off. Absolutely, me too. Heard... Yes,
0: I definitely want to do that. Yeah.
2: Well, let's let's talk to Mitch. Let's see if we can get some sort of some sort of fly the W trip out there.
0: <laughs> let's see. I wonder if there is a pirates. I wonder if there is a pirates podcast on the audio sports podcasting with twenty four hundred sports. I, I I do not believe that is the case, but
2: we we shall see. Um, this is the battle for third place. The Cubs, uh, you know, 64 and 85 uh, 21 games back, but they still don't are no match for the Mighty Pirates at 55 and 94. Gooch. Cubs are 6 and 4 in their last 10 with a two-game winning streak. The Pirates are going the opposite way, 4 and 6 in their last 10 with a six-game losing streak. So even though we have another of these 2010 lineups, um, before we started recording, we found out that uh, uh, Seiya Suzuki's paternity leave, he was put on the restricted list because the paternity leave is only three days. So him and his wife are having their first child in Japan. So he's obviously not coming back for this clutch must-win series. Um, so we get, <laughs> we get another one of these uh, 2012 lineups where you got McKinstry batting uh, leading off, playing second, Ian Happ, Franmil Reyes dh and Jan Gomes catching. David Bodie at second, Alfonso Rivas at first, Nelson Velasquez in right, Michael Hermosillo in center, and Christopher Morrell at short. Whereas the Pirates are counting with O'Neill Cruz at short, Brian Reynolds at DH and uh, Rodolfo Castro at third, Ben Gammel left field, Cal Mitchell in right field, Kevin Hello Newman at second, Jack Sewinski in center field, Zach Collins in first, playing first, and Jason Delay behind the plate. And when you look at the Pirates, it, it, you know, you do have a lot of young talent, but I feel like some of the talent has kind of taken a step back. Injuries have affected people. Uh, Jack Suwinski, local kid made good. You know, he just has been really, really struggling. Um, you know, O'Neal Cruz is going through those rookie growing pains. Brian Reynolds batting 259 on the year. So, you know, I mean, I'm sure it's kind of easier to pitch around him when you don't have much of a threat going on but uh, game one Hayden Wisniewski versus Mitch Keller like you said only the second start for Hayden so nobody has seen him against Mitch Keller Ian Happ you want to maybe lay some money down Dustin win some of that money back uh, uh, for that uh, strikeout over under you got Ian Happ 500 average and 14 at bats against Mitch Keller so maybe take a look at that one that might be not be too bad
0: might have to get on a little same game parlay if you will but again with Hayden starting tonight that is a reason to watch and or tune in to the Cubs game like that this is somebody that every Cub fan out there should be super super excited about and you're going to want to say I remember when I watched or I heard him do this that's how special I think this kid is potentially going to be
2: yeah and 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 you know he's had three you know he's had a couple starts and so uh you know, he's played against San Francisco. He had a, you know, he came out there, but um, you know, against Colorado, he looked really good. So let's kind of see those Colorado start, that was the seven innings pitch, three hits. So d- definitely exciting. And then some bullpen action that he saw. Uh, so definitely excited to see what he can do. And, and this pirates team is not any, you know, they're not world beaters. So might be just be a fun night at the old ball yard for Cub fans. I know that make the trip all the time out to Pittsburgh.
0: Absolutely. Game two will be on Friday evening. Javier Assad climbing up on the mound for our North Siders.
2: And if you're a Cub fan, you know this is this is kind of what you want to see with Assad. Is he kind of really had his first really bad outing the other day? Uh, did not look good. He got he got uh, boy. He just a lot of walks. Gave up, and that's been an issue. The walks have been an issue. And if you're going to stick around in the big leagues, it can't be. Okay, he only went two innings. Gave up two hits, four runs, four walks, but he was out of the game super early.
0: And two you know, innings. That's what's so disappointing, Crowley. Just two innings. Yeah,
2: he had to throw, I forget, like 40 pitches in the first inning. It was right. just ridiculous. Right. You just you yep. can't you can't do that. And so you got to worry about the kid's arm, obviously. Uh against the Mets, remember he had that strong start, six innings, five hits, uh, yep. one earned run, three walks. And then against Cincinnati, five point one innings, five hits, four earned runs. So You know he's he's doing well, but but this is this is what I am very curious about this game, just because I want to see how he bounces back. That's that's really where I'm at.
0: It's a good point. Good reason to watch. Good reason to tune into six seventy and hear Pat and Ron and Zach give us their uh, opinions on that. If you're uh, digesting this on Friday or Thursday night, rather Friday morning, don't forget. We've got the great Ron Coomer on with Mullion Haw nine o'clock on Fridays. Who does right. not
2: love Coom Dog?
0: But yeah. they haven't Coom. they haven't seen <laughs> they haven't seen Javier Assad yet. So
2: that's good. And then the Cubs hit Bryce Wilson, who's three and nine with a six oh seven ERA, six oh seven ERA. So Ian Hap also hits five hundred against Ian Hap's licking his chops here. He hits five hundred. Jan Gomes hits four twenty nine. So, you know, in in eight at-bats and seven at-bats. So this is, I think, a bunch of Cubs are going to be running, pushing themselves to the bat rack against
0: Bryce Wilson. Yeah, that ERA is pretty, pretty high. So game three is Saturday. This is a four-game series with the Pirates. Yeah, you
2: know that, Dustin. My favorite Um, four-game series. Uh, Game three, you got Wade Miley on the bump versus Johan Oviedo. Uh, while Miley one and one with the 348 ERA and 25 K's, but again, bad start against the Marlins. Um, ran into some bad luck too. I mean, like, seriously, he the air doesn't help, and then the ball hitting the base didn't help, but still, he even without that, he just didn't look like he was hitting his spots. And so, you know, hopefully the Cubs can uh, do well now. Ben Gamble hits 400 against Wade Miley. So kind of watch out for that. And then Newman hits 300. I don't know why. Like uh, Kevin Newman's one of those like cub killers that like sucks against everybody else, but for whatever reason, just hits well against the Cubs. Johan Oviedo, any guesses, Dustin, who hits near 500 against him? Um, Ian Happ. Ian Happ. Like I said, Ian (laughs) Ian Happ, seven at bats, 429. This guy's ready. So... You know, him and Nico Horner, unfortunately, Nico, you know, still working out, doing some agility stuff. But, uh, you know, I, I, he's obviously not going to um, play tonight. But, you know, it's just funny because, you know, here we go with, you know, Ian Hap absolutely has the numbers on most of these guys. So we'll go there and see what happens.
0: Yeah, I read before we started doing this that uh, Nico and Contreras were doing some on-the-field work ahead of game one. Um, game four, Sunday afternoon or early evening in Pittsburgh, Adrian Sampson back out there. and It'll be interesting to see if he can do it yet again. Well, Adrian
2: Sampson, the giant slayer, this is going to be tough because he's going up against Luis Ortiz, uh, who's 0-0, .84 ERA with 10 Ks. And so uh, obviously, you know, the Cubs haven't seen him. With Adrian Sampson, the Pirates have had a few peaks, but nobody's really been super successful at that real, you know, uh, just small sample sizes. But, you know, Adrian Sampson, just keep making a name for yourself. Make it difficult. He He's one of these guys that just – he kind of lucked out. The Cubs signed him last year, and then they cut him at the end of the season, and then they re-picked him up. It seems like there's a really good relationship. And and it's, it's a conversation we're going to have to have in the offseason about – the phenomenal things that the Cubs have done with their pitching infrastructure. There's a couple guys that we're going to have on that we're going to interview that are going to kind of give us a little bit more info on the pitching structure and what they are doing. But from what I am hearing from players and interviews and, and, and broadcasters and all this stuff is that this pitching infrastructure is really what was missing the last time around when the Cubs had their last great Cubs team, uh, the world series winning 2016 Cubs. And so it seems like people like Tommy Hadovy. It seems like people like Craig Breslow, like, like what they're doing, like the adjustments that they're making and that they want to stay here and play here. And, 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 and seeing some of these guys, like I said, Justin Steele and Keegan and and Adrian Sampson and uh, Javier Assad and all these guys that are, uh, you know, Hayden Wisniewski, all these, all these players coming up, I think it bodes really well for the Cubs future. And so, um, You know, just keep going, and, and, and that's the name of the game. That's you know, is is pitching. And if you listen to the interview that we did on Fly the W with Dan Katrovitz, there's no greater currency in baseball than pitching. You saw it. Nobody really cared that much about Ian Happ. Nobody really cared that much about Wilson Contreras. But you know what they cared about? The pitchers on Cincinnati. You had I forget how many they gave up, but they got a Pirates ransom, no pun intended. <laughs> that, 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 is the cur- that is the currency that we're dealing with today is, is, is pitching. And you can never – have enough pitching. Look what happened this year. You ended up losing four of your starters for a significant length of time Four: Miley, Smiley, Stroman and Hendricks. Okay. And, and, and so, you know, didn't look like Smiley really ever had it when he started. It didn't look like he was healthy. Kyle Hendricks clearly was not healthy and he's been out for how many months has it been now? Three months. Uh, you know, at least, and so you can never have too much pitching, and, and if there ever comes a deal that you need to make, you, you just don't want to deplete your system. It's great to have these guys that you can keep calling up and hopefully keep producing. And we've, we've talked about the minor league pitchers, uh, a lot of them that were in this South Bend series when you talk about Cole Franklin and Luis Devers and Porter Hodge. There's still guys that are going in Tennessee. You've got Jordan, uh, Jordan Wicks. You, you have DJ Hers. There's, there's a lot of guys that you want to kind of take a look at. And, and as long as that pipeline keeps producing talent, that's the deal. That's what didn't happen with that 2016 team is that you had that initial wave of talent, you traded some of it away to try to get the pitching you didn't have because you didn't have a good infrastructure, and then there was nothing following that wave that really came up. And I don't think that the Cubs are going to make that same mistake twice.
0: No, absolutely not. And that's why they went out and got the general manager that they got too, right, Crowley? Because they liked what the Guardians and the Indians before that, the team, the baseball team in Cleveland, if you will. They like how they develop pitchers. So that's why they brought him in as well. Yes, I think they have a good system in place. And yes, you are right. Um, Pitching is the highest currency right now in baseball Crowley it's prediction time one of them you know is coming the other one you don't know is coming we're entering our second to final weekend of regular season baseball kind of kind of disappointing it means obviously the kids are back to school means you're back to work uh it means people are having to take the shorts and put the long pants back on can't can't really wear flip-flops anymore so we talked about a few minutes ago that Wilson Contreras was doing some baseball activities before tonight's game Thursday in Pittsburgh. Do we see him play at Wrigley field before this year is up? I'm going to
2: guess it's going to be hard to keep him out of the lineup. Um, You know, we don't know what's going to happen. We've talked about it. Uh, He's a free agent. Cubs are almost certainly going to give him a qualifying offer. And then let's see what the market is out for him and, and what Wilson wants to do. The Wilsons earned the right to make that choice um, on where he wants to go and what he wants to do. And if he doesn't feel the Cubs are going to pay him fair market value, then he probably will go. So we did it once before with the goodbyes for Wilson. I will be um, at three games next
0: week, Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, and I'm going Friday, damn. I thought maybe oh. we'd hook up. I'm going Friday <laughs> to see them take on the Reds. I uh, have not made it to a Friday afternoon game yet, and that's a definite staple of every year of going to Cubs games. So I am actually hitting the game on Friday afternoon.
2: Well, fly the W will be definitely represented this week, but um i'm I'm going and I, my you know, I don't know what's going to happen with wilson. we We had all these predictions before, and everybody was off, whether it was a you know experts from, you know, the 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 top paid guys to all the way down to us us little guys. You know, it was wrong. So I don't want to have to sit there and say, here's what's going to happen. We, we have an idea, you know, and, and, and it didn't look like there was a lot of teams that valued Wilson um, during the trade deadline, but that could change because, you know, a lot of guys don't want to get a catcher in the middle of a season and try to get them used to a pitching staff different if you have all offseason to work with them. Um, so I don't know, but if I'm looking at predictions, I see the Cubs taking three of four is where I'm going with this one.
0: All right, three of four. You know, Crowley, I still can't get on board with this lineup right now. I'm going to say split. I'm going to say they split. I'm going to say that they win um, Thursday and Sunday. I am going for a Thursday-Sunday for the wins, and they lose on Friday and Saturday. All right, well, let's hope that they fly the
2: W a lot more than they fly the Jolly Roger. Um, There are a couple little quick events, and I just wanted to kind of let everybody know about Club 400 is hosting Christopher Morel uh, this Monday. Unfortunately, not an ideal day, but it's uh, six to ten, uh, so you can get a picture and an autograph with Christopher Morel. Money goes to Club for, uh, goes to charity. Um, there's about 14 tickets left, so you can go to Club400 dot uh, cl- uh, club400cubs or you can just uh, go- email us at flythew670 at gmail and I'll get you hooked up. Uh, The other thing that's coming up, the Sunday, the last, or Saturday, last second to last game of the season, if you're there after the game, the Bleacher Bum Band of Chicago will be playing at Nisei Lounge, and we're also going to have karaoke. Last time we did that, we had Eric Ulrich out, we had Brandon Hughes out, we had Christopher Morrell come out. Who's going to come out this time? I don't know, but you probably don't want to miss it.
0: Yeah, that sounds like fun. Boy, I wish now I was going Saturday instead of Friday, Crowley. But uh, it is what it is. All right, buddy, have a great weekend. We'll be back early next week to uh, wrap up and recap this uh – Pirates uh, series. Um, maybe we wait, Maybe we should wait until Tuesday instead of Monday with the uh, Club 400 event. You and I'll talk about that offline to decide how we're going to approach that one as we enter into uh, the final week of the regular season next week. Crowley, again, have a great weekend. Hope everybody has a good one, and uh, let's uh, hope we get to fly the W at least twice for me and maybe three times for Crowley.
2: And don't forget to follow us on all the socials. You can follow us at FlyTheW670 on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow us at FlyTheW on Facebook. And you can follow you can email us at FlyTheW670 at gmail.com. Go Cubs and Smokies.